This is Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. Last week, Michael Tilson Thomas was conducting the New World Symphony in Miami when he stopped the concert in its tracks. A fidgety child and her mother were in his line of vision, and he asked them to change seats. Details are not quite clear, but the mother and child did more than that. They left the hall. The incident caused quite a sensation on the Internet and raised a couple of important questions. What is the appropriate age for kids to start attending grown-up concerts, and how do you prepare them for the experience? Today we'll get three views on this. Sedgwick Clark is the editor of Musical America and a steadfast concert-goer around New York. Susan Fox is a founder and publisher of the online forum Park Slope Parents. And Orly Shaham is a concert pianist, mother of twins, and the founder of Baby Got Bach, a concert series for ages three to six. First, here is Michael Tilson Thomas telling WQXR what happened. Coming to the end of the second movement, the child grew restless. And so she was moving around and she was leaning up against her mother and she was then putting her head down in her mother's lap and she was back on the shoulder. She was just moving around. She was restless. And I'm sure she had no idea of how visible she was to the whole rest of the audience, not to mention people outside. So I asked the mother in a very calm and respectful voice, just said, I'm sorry, it's just hard for us to keep our concentration. Would you mind moving to one side? And I indicated some seats which were available to one side or the other. So instead of taking those seats, she, she just got up and she went all the way out. Sedge, as a concert goer, do you think Michael Tilson Thomas did the right thing to ask the mother and daughter to move? Well, he didn't say you've got to leave, so I suppose this is good, but I wasn't there, so I don't really know. Um, I do know that the hall is sort of in the round. There is a seating in the back of the orchestra, and who's looking right in the back of the orchestra? None other than Michael Tilson Thomas. And this comes to the whole matter of children at concerts, and the disturbance is not only to audiences, your fellow concertgoers, but also to the performers. If someone is doing something, well, that disturbs uh, Michael Tilson Thomas, he ought to think about just how good his performance is going to be. So let's go to the other side of the stage, or to the stage now, Orly. This was in the middle of a piano concerto, which Yefine Bronfman was performing. When I asked him about it, he said the child was not in his line of vision. He hadn't noticed them. As a performer, how do you deal with audience distractions and what can or should you do when there is a distraction from the audience? You know, as a pianist, I'm actually very lucky because if, when I look at my instrument, I generally can't see the audience, but I often feel for violinists who, or cellists who face straight out when they're playing. So I, I can almost never see what's happening around me, but I can hear what's happening around me. And for sure, there are times when suddenly uh, it seems like the entire audience has spontaneously caught the flu and they start coughing en masse uh, and you try to figure out how can I get my concentration back and is this ruining it for everybody else but there's always a balanced decision to be made if I stop this and start again will that help or will that in fact create even more of a distraction than what's going on Susan you represent a major New York parents forum what is your reaction well for me it's about respecting other people 
and I'm all for allowing parents to give it a shot. And I, I don't really believe that there's an age cutoff. I've seen two-year-olds who can sit still. I've seen 21-year-olds who can't. So it, for me, it's not an age thing. And it's about the respect that a parent can show to the other audience members. And as the other people have, have, have pointed out, respect for the people who are playing the music. So if you think your child may be disrupting, it's probably pretty likely that they are. So it's kind of a gamble. You might plunk down $50 on a ticket, $100 on a ticket. It's a gamble. Your kid can't handle it. It's time to leave. It's interesting that you mentioned the age thing. We looked on the websites of a dozen major American orchestras, and we found that they all list minimum ages for kids coming to their concerts. At the bottom is the New York Philharmonic, which starts at 4, and at the top is the San Francisco Symphony, conducted by Michael Tilson Thomas, which suggests no kids younger than 12. 12. Do you think it's a good idea for orchestras to recommend age limits? As a former child concert attendee, I have to say I'm shocked by 12. Uh, I started going to concerts because my older brothers were both musicians when we were kids, and I would go to their concerts as well as to concerts that they were attending from the time I was about four. And because I was the youngest in a group of three, I think I was particularly well-behaved at concerts. I had good role models. Uh, but the idea that I would have been kept away from that experience for such a long time, given who I was, I think would have been really detrimental to, to my development. I agree entirely with Susan's assessment that it depends on your child. You know, I have twin boys. One of them was able to sit through the Pastoral Symphony at age three in concert, and the other one at age seven is now maybe suddenly about to be able to sit through something like that. Sedge, would you want a three- or four-year-old sitting next to you? No. Why? Because I want to enjoy the concert. But even if that three- or four-year-old is perfectly still and hands in the lap and just listening to the music? I'm skeptical that that would be possible, but it's orally it's very possible, you know, you have a child who has proven me wrong, so um, that would be fine, I guess, if I were not bothered. Now, my wife is bothered. When I take a score to a concert, she's bothered by my turning the pages, and so she doesn't go to And many her. other people might be. Oh, I'm very, very quiet. I, but I think that raises a really wonderful point. I think if you are going to bring a child to a concert, you have to play it defensively, and you have to think strategically. Uh, when I take my kids to uh, my husband's concerts, I always make sure we have an aisle seat somewhere near a door in case we have to make a getaway. So if something does happen and is out of my control, we won't be in the line of sight of the orchestra and we won't be disturbing too many audience members. I also have a few other defensive techniques like for a fidgety child, you give them some chewing gum and you explain that it needs to be chewed quietly. That tends to work fairly well. <laughs> This is an I, you know, I would add to that. I would add to what Orly said, and I would say, you know, the later the show, the older the age of the kid that's going to be able to sit through it without fidgeting. Yes. You mean late would, in the evening, or? I mean, I would say mat matinees would work best, but, you know, start, sending your kid to a show that starts at 8 is taxing on pretty much everybody. So, um, and to teach polite behavior, take a practice run at home, and the closer you sit, the easier it is for the kids to feel engaged. So I, I would agree with the sitting in the aisle, but if you're in the nosebleed section and you can't see the faces very well of some people at the Met, it's going to be harder for that child to feel engaged. 
course, the flip side of that is if you're sitting very close and the child, you know, starts to squirm, it could be very disruptive to the performers. Absolutely. And that's where it comes back to respecting and saying, it's a gamble. I put, I, you know, I spent money on these, but, you know, I lost. Or if, I, you, if you leave through, through the intermission, then you've gotten a lot out of a six-year-old, maybe, and just quit while you're ahead. And even not a six-year-old, you know, again, every child is different. Yes. And I, I used to take my stepsons when they were much younger to their father's concerts all the time. Uh, and we had one who at about age 10 and, or 11 was still quite fidgety at concerts. And I found that in his case, it really helped for me to prepare very specifically, how is this piece going to go? Uh, where is it fast? Where is it slow? He was not an expert musician, so I, I couldn't give him those kinds of details, but very broad details. How many movements are there going to be? So I can give him a sense of how much longer he's going to have to sit in that position. And we, we worked out a whole system of sign language where I would you know, point with my fingers to how many movements are left or about how many minutes I think are left in the piece. And a little physical contact, if I would put my hand kind of under the back of the shirt so that there's just enough contact that I can feel, help, help him to feel what the music is saying, that would really help him engage a lot, too. But there's, there's a lot of defense played to make it work with some kids. Sedge, what is your reaction to this? We're talking to a couple of very enlightened ladies. Um, <laughs> I, I think, uh, and Orly, uh, because she's had the experience of playing concerts, I had a friend, um, she's no longer around, this is Wilma Cozart Fine, who uh, produced many Mercury recordings, and she had four boys, and when she was planning to take them to concerts, weeks ahead, at meals, she would start talking about, we're going to be going to a concert, and this is a very special and important experience that we're going to have. We're going to have to be very quiet, because these are wonderful artists who have struggled all their lives to give the best performances they possibly can, and we don't want to interrupt them or disturb them. And she would do this, as I say, for a number of weeks, and then they would go to the concert, and they were all prepared. They were all ready. And I have to say that this, uh, this idea of preparing the kids for the concerts, in fact, it's common sense, and it's something that most concert organizations have learned, is important for adults, too. The better prepared you are going into the concert hall, the more you'll be engaged with the music and the more you'll get out of it. So it's, it's really starting the same principle that should continue into adulthood to engage adult non-musicians, uh, just starting it at a younger age. And I would add, you know, we we're talking about children here, but I ask one of my groups, you know, what is your response to this age limit and taking children to, to musical concerts? And I heard from a number of them who said, a lot of times the parents or the adults are on their cell phones, not necessarily parents, but adults. They're on their cell phones. They are not modeling good behavior either. I have seen this all the time, and it's, why are these people there? Right. This is where my my series for preschoolers comes in. Uh, I run a series for ages three to six called Baby Gapa, where my ultimate goal, other than to get kids interested in music, is to teach them that it is important every once in a while to tune out all senses except listening. And the concerts begin with a great deal of energy uh, expending activities where the kids get to do all the stuff that three to six-year-olds do naturally. But somehow it involves music and instruments and the things that they're going to see right afterwards. Then they come into a show, and even in the show, I don't ask them to sit still right away. We work up to that. And then we get to one point in the show where for about three minutes, 
I've explained through my example, through the example of the other musicians, through the example of the parents that we've involved, that they are going to really benefit from just listening to what's happening in the next three minutes without anything else. And amazingly, they do. Now, three minutes is not long enough to take your kids to a grown-up concert, but it's a start, and it's something we need to work up to, frankly, as a society. And that's one of the things that people mentioned in, in their reactions, was to start with smaller concerts and geared at younger kids and ease them in. You know, with the shorter concerts, the more variety will help take baby steps until they can sit through a, a longer concert. And also to teach them that, re, you know, that boredom... If they are bored, just sit with it and teach a kid how to daydream and not act out if they aren't stimulated every second of the day. Sedge, do you think this is the place where young people belong at young people's concerts like Orly's, or do you think they're, they should be allowed to come to regular concerts too? I think this is absolutely the way to, to do it uh, because the problems come from the adults, all of their bad habits have been passed on to the kids, it seems to me. Because you see this, you see people uh, looking at their mail and uh, tweeting and that sort of stuff and uh, checking uh, to see if they have any calls and cell phones. There are all sorts of conductors who have done things. Uh, Kurt Mazur once uh, just walked off the podium when he was doing the Shostakovich Fifth Symphony, the beginning of the third movement, this beautiful slow movement. And people were coughing and hacking and moving around, and he just walked off came back five minutes later, there wasn't a sound in that hall, an extraneous sound, for the rest of the symphony. Orly, have you ever experienced anything like that when you were performing? Uh, nothing quite that extreme, although I, I've had people collapse in the audience and be taken out in stretchers as we play, and amazingly, you know, far enough in the corner that we were able to continue playing and didn't realize what had happened until afterwards. But, you know, even in my kids' concerts, because uh, we encourage three- to six-year-olds to come to these concerts, Frequently there are siblings, so crying little infants. Even for the three- to six-year-olds, it can be distracting to have infants crying in the back. Uh, and we, uh, uh, in fact, create a special space where parents can take the in infants outside of the room so that the three- to six-year-olds can start to learn what it means to just listen. I myself have performed on children's concerts. I have done Peter and the Wolf, and I have yet to do Peter and the Wolf without some kind of visual going on. Kids today have much shorter attention spans than they used to when they would sit and listen to 27 minutes of Peter and the Wolf without needing a visual. How do we deal with that? I disagree that kids have shorter attention spans. I think that humans are always born with short attention spans and we build them up as a society. I just think we've stopped building them up quite as well. I think uh, in, you could say it if, if you say they have short attention spans, so do the adults. But I think you pointed out to something very important. We're very used to visual stimulation. And you hear this from teachers all the time in my research for Baby Got Bach. I've talked to a lot of elementary school teachers. And so many of them say that as the years have gone on, they've needed much more visual content in order to get the children's attention, that just focusing on hearing is no longer enough. And I, would, I, I teach a graduate class at NYU, and some of those students don't have a very long attention span. And 
I have to outline that you're not to use your computers or check your phone in the hour and 15 minutes before the first break. You know, we've created this society that needs to be connected all the time. So you sit in a, a, an hour concert, a two-hour concert, and you feel like you're missing it, something. And it's that agite that kind of, I think, is, is creating a society that doesn't want to have a shorter attention span. So I would absolutely agree with, with what Orly says, is we're not teaching it. We're actually fostering less attention. So, Orly, I ask, is classical music dying you know, I think part of the issue for classical music is to help teach that attention and share the rewards of that level of attention. I think that's one of the things we provide. I think this is true of most high art. It requires you to spend your time doing it. And at the moment, as a society, that's something we have to be consciously working towards because it's certainly not a natural outgrowth of the way our society works. Steve from White Plains wrote on the WQXR website that the incident with Michael Tilson Thomas reinforces the view that the world of classical music is overloaded with prissy, persnickety jerks. Do you think he's <laughs> right? Do you think classical music is getting a bad rap, Sedge? Well, some people are like that in every field, it seems to me. Uh, I would agree. Why, why pick on classical music? There are rock concerts where the artists do the same thing. So I, I would agree with Sedge on that. But I, I do think there's a certain air about it that it's harder and harder for somebody who's conducting or who's playing to understand that our society is going faster and people aren't slowing down enough. I mean, I guess I would ask Sedge, what are the things besides saying, please silence your cell phones that they may tell people at the start of a concert to kind of get them to chill out. Oh, I have to jump in on that one. One of my very okay. favorite things on that, I, I went to a Broadway show once where they, before the show began, they said, please silence anything that might embarrass you during the show. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's actually a perfect description of what needs to happen. <laughs> Whether it's a child or a cell phone, that's exactly what we all need to understand. Well, seriously, though, can you, can you silence a child who, for whatever reason, is in discomfort and expressing it? Well, that's why I think you have to be defensive about it. And just in case that comes up, you have to have a, a quick and quiet exit strategy. Mm -hmm. So if you could each give one tip for parents who are considering bringing their kids to a classical music concert, what would it be? Prepare them, prepare them, prepare them. Prepare them for the sitting still and for the length of the piece and for what they're going to be hearing and come up with some calm visual ways that you can direct their attention to a particular instrument or to how much time is left so that you can help. The more they're prepared for the experience, the better they'll do. And also, if you know the music, you get a better idea of what your child might, might respond to. Uh, last night, I don't think many children would have responded to Bruckner. Beethoven, yes. You know, the Coriolan Overture or something like that uh, might really get off on that. But I think we're also talking about um, children at a at a more sophisticated level. I, I just can't see a three-year-old child in many concerts these days because these days every, everyone is so serious, you know. Why not open a concert with a Spagna or a Rossini Overture or any number of other things that they used to do? Now, we, we last night, it started with a, a, the uh, Bartok Third Piano Concerto. Now, I love the piece, and I was there to hear the Bartok primarily. But... What about a child? That's something else. Susan, do you have any tips? 
I would say that you need to be willing to jump ship. As a parent, you need, you need to know your child. You need to be able to say, is, is this Bartok concerto something that they're going to be able to sit through? So know your child, and if you're wrong, which you might be, depending on the piece and their mood and what they ate for breakfast, and be willing to jump ship and say, this isn't working out. Great ideas from all of you. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been Conducting Business. Our guests were Musical America editor Sedgwick Clark, Park Slope Parents founder Susan Fox, and pianist Orly Shaham, who will be bringing one of her Baby Got Bach concerts to the WQXR Green Space on November 9th. Brian Wise is the producer of Conducting Business. I'm Naomi Lewin. Thanks for listening.